welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over the book of John. John is a powerful book that shows us who Jesus is. So we're calling this series, Who I Am. Through seven signs and seven powerful I Am statements, as well as through Jesus' life and death, we can see that Jesus is God. And as God, He offers eternal life to those who believe. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. John chapter 12, sorry, John chapter 13, about to say 12, but it's 13. John chapter 13 today, we're going to be looking at one of the greatest, I say that about so many passages, but one of the greatest passages, I think, uh, because Jesus gives us an example of service for us to follow, so some questions that I want you guys to be thinking about as we're going through this and as we're looking at the scripture is, one, what stops you from serving? Okay, what stops you from serving? Is there anything that stops you from serving other people? Um, and then maybe some other questions that you can think about as well is, who do you not like to serve? Or who will you not serve? Or what will you not do in acts of service? And some things like that. Because today we're going to see Jesus serving here and giving us an example. You know, if you look at the, uh, the Merriam-Webster, it's, it's a terrible definition. The Merriam-Webster def- definition for serve, it's to be a servant. Or slaves, okay? And when I was in school, they taught me that you're not allowed to use the word, the actual word in the definition, but Merriam-Webster decides to, okay? And then if you go on uh, and look up the word servant in Merriam-Webster, it says someone who serves. So, yeah, not very good definitions, but we do have another definition of serve, and this is what I want you guys to think about as we see the example of Jesus. It says, to serve is to tend to the needs of another prior to your own, or putting others' needs before your own, tending to, serving, doing something for somebody else above your own needs, okay? This passage is pretty straightforward, it's pretty simple, but it's really powerful. There's a physical example that we're supposed to follow, and there's also a spiritual analogy in it as well. So it's pretty cool, and we'll look at it. First thing we want to do, though, um after we pray, is we're going to go through the narrative, okay? So we're going to look at, like, what happens in uh, this section, okay? So let's read the first, uh, well, you know what, let's pray, and then we'll read, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that as we look at this example that you've given to us uh, through Jesus, uh, that we would take it and we would run with it and we would do it and um, we would serve other people despite um, who they are and what the act of service is, God. I pray that you teach us to prioritize our serving. Um, we love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so first thing we're going to look at is the narrative. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through these first several verses, just verse by verse looking at it and putting it together. And then we're going to have three things that we're going to look at. Okay, our Jesus' servant is not dependent on three things in this passage. And we're going to look at all three of those things, but first we need to go through this narrative. So look at verse 1 with me. This is chapter 13 of John, verse 1. It says, Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, he, and that he would depart uh, from this world to the Father, having loved his own, that were in the world, he loved them to the end. So what this starts out by saying is that this is before the feast of the Passover. Uh, this occurrence, we don't know how long before. Uh, I mean, if you look at this versus the other Gospels, it seems like they're getting ready to eat the Last Supper, right? And Jesus, wa- Jesus washes the feet 
of the disciples. And so this is at the end when he's about to die, rise again, and then eventually ascend into heaven, right? And it's kind of interesting because this is chapter 13 of John. How many chapters are there in John? 21, okay? So chapters 13 to 21, which is half the book, deals with like basically the last week, a little bit longer than that, but the last week of his life, okay? which is really interesting. And it's really cool. So he's about to die. He's about to go to the cross. Um, if this is the Lord's Supper the night before, this week and maybe in just a couple of days he's about to die on the cross. Okay, so to kind of put that in context for you guys, and he knows that. Okay, and this end has come, and it says at the very end of verse 1, it says he loved them to the end. Okay, there is only, uh, and he loved them, and he loved them to the end. And I think that's important. It's kind of like, well, why is it saying that right there? But I think it's important because the ultimate act of love is the death on the cross, right? Right, thank you. Right, the ultimate, that's the ultimate act of love. But here, there's also an example of love. Okay, so he shows his love here and his service here while he's on earth, and then he uh, does the ultimate act of dying on the cross for the sins of the entire world. So look at verse 2. And during supper, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus. Okay, And so then verse 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him, and that he had come forth from God, was going back to God, got up. Uh, from supper and laid out his outer garments aside and he took the towel and he tied it around himself. So verse 2 is kind of interesting to me too because verse 2 says that who's going to do what? Judas is going to betray him. Okay, now we don't know why that's important yet but we're going to. Okay, we don't know why yet when we're reading through this we don't know why he right there in verse 2 said that. But here in just a little bit, we're going to see why that's important, okay? So keep that in the back of your mind. Like, this is important for a reason. The author didn't just randomly decide to say, oh, yeah, Judas is going to, like, you know, go betray him. Like, there's a reason that he said that. And there's a reason that he said during supper, the devil had already put it into his mind, okay? So Judas is already thinking, I'm going to betray Jesus, right? It's already there. He's already going to do it. Okay, and then verse 3, he gets up. He puts a towel around his waist. Um, and he gets uh, and he gets ready to wash your feet, right? He puts a towel around his waist. He gets ready to wash your feet. Okay, look at verse five. This is the washing of the feet. It says then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel which he had tied around himself. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Simon says, Lord, you're washing my feet. And Jesus answered and said to him, What you are doing, you do not realize right now but you will understand later. So he says, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. Okay? Did Peter know that he was washing his feet? Yeah, so he understood that part of it, right? Peter understood that like he knows what washing feet is, right? Yes, yeah, he understands what washing feet is, so he knows that. So what does Peter not understand? Um, you know, some people might say, like, well, he doesn't understand exactly, but Jesus will explain to him that this is an example. Uh, but if you think about it, there are a lot of aspects of this washing of feet that the disciples may not understand until Jesus has already died and risen, right? Like they understand that he's washing their feet. They understand that he's the king and that he's setting this example. Uh, but there's some other things that he might not understand until after he's died and rose again. And they might look back on it and say, like, for example, do they know Judas is um, going to betray Jesus? Well, there's a whole other aspect of the washing of feet that the disciples don't even 
grasp or understand, right? And they don't, they don't even understand that he's going to die and rise again right now, right? So they don't understand the situation that he's in right now when he's washing their feet. But they're going to understand that later. So there's some things that Peter's not going to understand until later. And right now he just doesn't get it. And like I said earlier, we're going to look at this real quick. Okay, because there's a, there's a spiritual and a physical aspect of what Jesus is doing. And Peter doesn't really understand either one of them, uh, but he will. Like, he, he kind of starts to catch on on some of it, but then he like, doesn't get some of the other parts. Okay? So, uh, verse 6, so he came, Simon Peter. Simon said, you're going to wash my feet? He answered, uh, what I'm doing you don't understand right now, <clears throat> but you will understand it later. So Peter said to him, in verse 8, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me, Simon Peter. Now, this is interesting, okay? This is interesting because Peter's response here, like some people say, Peter is so foolish here for saying this. But, like, put yourself in Peter's place. Okay, you know Jesus is king. You know he's Messiah. And he comes to you and he wants to wash your feet. Okay, we're going to talk about washing of feet in a little bit, like how disgraceful that was. But the king comes and he wants to wash your feet. And you're Peter. What would you say? No. Oh, exactly. And that's kind of a good thing, right? It's like Peter's saying, no, like, I, if anything, I should be washing your feet. Like, you're not going to wash my feet. And some people get mad at Peter here, but I'm like, no, like, Peter's right. And that shows even more so what Jesus is doing. But then Jesus says, hey, you don't have any part of me if I don't wash your feet. And that's interesting, okay? The no part of me here is in regards to fellowship. And this is the spiritual side of it that we're going to look at. Okay? Because there's a spiritual analogy of washing in this. Okay? There's a spiritual analogy of washing. And the no part of me refers to the fellowship. We'll see later on that Jesus already claims that Peter has a part of him. Okay? But the part there is the fellowship part. Okay? You don't have any part of me as fellowship. And it's going to make more sense as we go through it. So let's look at it. Um, so, Jesus says, you're not going to have any part of me. You're not going to have a place with me. Uh, and Simon Peter, in verse 9, says to him, Lord, then not wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Okay, again, this is a good response, right? Peter's like, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, hey, you have no part of me if I don't. And so Peter, not understanding the analogy... Says, well, then wash my head, wash my hands, wash every part of me because I want to be a part of you, right? That's his heart. All right, so his heart's in the right place, he's just not understanding it. So then Jesus uh, explains his analogy a little bit more. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, otherwise, he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. So here's the deal Jesus is doing a spiritual analogy here where the bathing equals salvation and the foot washing equals fellowship. Okay, the bathing equals salvation, or is an analogy of salvation. The foot washing is an analogy of fellowship. So it says, Peter, listen, you're already saved. Okay, you're already bathed. You're already clean, right? So you're saved, but you still need a foot washing. Okay, and I think this is a really cool picture because we're already bathed, right? We believe in Jesus for eternal life, and we're clean, right? But do we still need to wash our feet? Do we still need that fellowship with Jesus? We do. And so he says this, and I think he's giving this spiritual analogy. Okay, And it's not only spiritual, it's also physical, the, the washing of feet, and we'll look at it. But he also says, but not all of you. So what does he mean by that? He's talking about Judas there, right? And uh, John, the author, is very clear and very like uh, 
blunt when it comes to Judas, right? Um, and so I don't believe Judas was saved. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. If one of you is not clean, I don't think Judas was ever saved. Okay, verse 11. For he knew that the one was betraying him, Judas. It was for this reason that he said, not all of you are clean. So again, he explains himself. Judas is not the clean one. Okay, let's keep going. We're going to go all the way through verse 20. Um, okay, but after this next part, we're just going to kind of read it, and then we're going to come back and talk about the different parts of it, okay? Verse 12. Then we had, when he had washed their feet and taken their garments and reclined at the table, he said to them, Do you all understand or know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct because I am. So if I, your Lord, and your teacher wash your feet, you ought also wash the feet of one another. For I gave to you an example, so you would also do just as I did for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who sent greater than him, uh, than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you, for I know the ones whom I've chosen. But this is happening so that Scripture may be fulfilled. So he, he who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And from now on I'm telling you that if it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe and I, that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who receives anyone I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Okay, so then Jesus gives this analogy, and he explains this what he's doing, okay? And he explains all of it, okay? And so, let's look at it. The first thing that I want to look at about Jesus' service, it's not dependent on who. That's not a question. It's just, it's not dependent on who. It's not dependent on who he is serving. Okay, Jesus' service is not dependent on who he is serving. Okay, what's the first thing that runs through your mind? And it may be a bunch of different things, I don't know. But when you're serving or asking somebody to serve or someone asks you to serve them, it might be, well, I don't. It depends on who it is that I'm serving, right? Because some people we don't like to serve. And Jesus, this is not dependent, his service, on who the person is that he's serving for several reasons, okay? But the humble servant doesn't serve based on who's being served, okay? The humble servant doesn't base his service on the person that, that is being served. Okay, I think of several scriptures along with this. Before we get back to this passage, let's look at these. Okay, the first one is James 2, 1 through 5. It says, My brothers, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with golden ring, dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing fine clothes and say, You sit here in a good place. You say to the poor man, You stand over there, or you sit by my footstool. You have, not, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brothers, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs in the kingdom of promise for those who love him? James is saying, don't play favoritism, okay? which is just like a simple truth, right? But this could be also in service. okay? There are times, well, let me just put it this way. Raise your hand if there are certain people that are easier for you to serve than other people. Okay, that's pretty much all of us, right? Like, I would rather serve someone that I get along with, somebody that I like, somebody that's nice to me, or somebody that responds well to my service than somebody who is not grateful, or somebody who's mean to me, or somebody whatever, right? And so this, this favoritism passage, I think, goes along with this. But I also want you to look at this passage, because Jesus is Lord, and He is God, right? 
Okay, but he's washing feet. So look at this passage. This is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. This is Paul talking about Jesus. He says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Christ the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself to become a man, right? He is God. Okay, now if he is God and he is creator, and he's king, and he's Lord, and he's teacher, and he's washing his people's feet, then the who doesn't really matter, right? Because that's not his role. Okay, that's not his role. Okay, look at it again. <clears throat> then he washed their feet. He had washed feet, taken garments, they reclined at the table. Okay, in verse 12. And then he says, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so I am. I think I have, yeah. So he says, You call me Lord? Rightly so. He said, You call me God? I'm Lord? I'm Master? Well, I am. Yet, I'm washing your feet. Say, you call me Lord, and you're correct, for I am. So if I, your Lord, and your teacher, wash your feet, you ought also wash the feet of one another. For I gave you an example that you would do just as I did. He said, I'm your teacher, and I'm serving you in the most debased, which we'll look at in a second, way. Then you should be serving each other. Because this is far, a lot further from my role than it is from your role. And yet I'm doing it to serve you. Look at verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. Okay? And they are the slaves of Jesus, right? They are the servants of Jesus. He says, you're not greater than me, and I'm doing this for you. You should be doing this. Does that make sense? Like, you're not greater than me, so you should be doing this if I am. Right? That's an example to follow. Okay? Uh, so truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor the one who is sent greater than the one who sends him. And that's important because he's about to send them out. Right? Uh, and if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Again, I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. You're blessed if you serve one another. You should understand that. Okay, and then verse 18. I'm not speaking about all of you, for I know the ones whom I have chosen. But this is happening, so the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats of bread has lifted up his heel against me. Okay? And this is a little interesting, okay, because it kind of sounds weird, the, the language in English. It says, I'm not speaking about all of you, for I know the ones whom I have chosen. Well, who had he, who had he chosen? Who's that talking about? His disciples, right? Okay, and you might say, well, not all of them are chosen, right? Because Judas, what did it say earlier about Judas? He's going to betray him. Okay, but this, so like we might make that assumption in our own minds and heads, but it's not true. He was chosen. He was chosen as one of the twelve. So what does it mean, I know who I have chosen? Because sometimes, like a lot of people might say, well, he knows the ones that he chosen for salvation out of those disciples, and Judas isn't one of them. But that's not true. Okay, we know that's not true. So what does it mean? He's saying that he knows, which is important, okay? He knows Judas. Because has he chosen Judas to be a disciple or an apostle? Or the one that's going to betray him, essentially. Yeah, he had. And he knows Judas. Because look at it, it says... I know what? 
the ones who will do. No, it says, I know the one I have chosen, the ones I have chosen. So he knows each individual person. Why is that important for what he's doing? He's serving the one who's going to betray him. Okay? Jesus' service is not dependent on who he's serving. He's literally, literally serving one demon-possessed, or Satan-possessed, or about to be Satan-possessed, Judas, who will betray him and send him to the cross. And he is serving that person. So we can't say that Jesus' service is dependent on who is being served. Because he knew Judas was going to do all that. He knows the one who he's chosen. He knows that that guy, Judas, will betray him. And he still serves him. Okay, So that's through verse 18. He understands that. So what are um, some reasons not that we have for not serving Okay, in regard to the who? Okay, These are several things that I thought of that, I, that have happened in my life. And I've seen other people say these things. I don't like them. I don't want to serve them because I don't like them. I don't like that person. Right? I don't like Zayden. I don't want to serve him because I don't like him. Right? It's simple. They don't deserve it. Okay? I don't want to serve Molly because she obviously doesn't deserve being served. Okay? So I'm not going to serve her because she doesn't deserve it. They're not grateful. Okay? Every time I serve Jillian, all she says is, that's right, you should have served me. So why would I ever serve her again? Okay? And they are sinners. Okay, which we all are, but some people are sinners in a way that really annoy us, right? And so we definitely don't want to serve them, like my brothers. Okay, they're annoying people sometimes. Okay, but I don't want to serve them, but I should. Okay, it's not dependent on who. Okay, we can't allow these excuses to keep us from serving people. Okay, because did the disciples deserve his service? No. Did they deserve it more than Judas? Probably, I guess, right? Did Judas deserve it? Not in any way, shape, form, or anything, right? No way did he deserve that. But Jesus still served him by washing his feet, okay? So it's not dependent on who. Service is not dependent on who. Jesus' service was not dependent on what, okay? Jesus' service is not dependent on what. We see this also in the foot washing. We're going to go back and we're going to look at some verses uh, even three through five, where he actually washes the feet. Okay, just I just want to reread it for you. Okay, three through five. It says Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him, and that he was going, sorry, and that he had come forth from God and he was going back to God, got up from supper, laid his outer garment aside, and he took a towel and he tied it around himself. Then he poured water in a basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping it with a towel, which he had tied around himself. Okay, the humble servant doesn't serve based on the type of service. Okay, the humble servant doesn't serve based on the type of service. Foot washing in that day and age was gross. Okay, foot washing in today's day and age is gross. But it would have been even more so then. You guys know that, right? You guys know that they wore sandals, right? And the streets are dusty, so the feet got dirty, right? Uh, they didn't have running water. So they didn't bathe as much as we do, right? Like things were just like dirtier back then than they were now. Okay, and then when you go to eat, okay, which they're getting ready to eat, right? You guys know how they ate, right? So they leaned on their left and they like laid down. So your feet weren't covered by a table and tablecloth, and they weren't covered by shoes. 
They were out exposed and actually kind of close to the other person's face. Right? I mean, it would have been behind them, but still, like, it's kind of gross. So, like, you need to wash your feet. Our feet are nasty and dirty. And so, this is a quote uh, by Borchette just talking about foot washing in that day, in that culture. It says, as indicated in connection with the story of the baptizer, me and John the Baptist, whenever he was like, whose sandals I'm unworthy to tie, right? It would, like, touching someone's feet, not, not cool, right? But John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to touch his feet. And that was, that was a big deal. Right? So it, as, as it relates to that, touching feet was regarded as a menial slave work and as such was primary assignment given to Gentile slaves and women, women slaves. Students were responsible to the rabbis. Okay, who's the students in this passage? Disciples, and who's the rabbi? Jesus, because he's a teacher, rabbi means teacher. Okay, so students were responsible to rabbis or teachers to perform menial tasks of labor. But touching of feet was clearly not expected. He's saying people like the disciples, they were to do the grunt work and the, la- and the little menial tasks, but not even disciples of like teachers were supposed to wash the teacher's feet like that was for a couple grades below them right so in a society that was very conscious of status symbols of shame and honor that means they cared a lot about like symbols or symbolic things that showed honor or shame they cared a lot about honor and shame such as the touching or washing of feet it was an extremely important matter this foot washing Okay, and so what is we we can't grasp exactly how big of a deal this is. Okay, because one, we don't look at shame and honor like we live in the greatest country ever right now, and we don't have classes, right? And so like everyone in a way is equal, right? And and, and so we, we just can't grasp in the same way what this was, okay, and how degrading it would be. Okay, I, I try to think of a lot of examples. I couldn't think of any good ones. You guys know who that is? Elon Musk. Yeah, it's Elon Musk. So he's a billionaire. He like owns Tesla and stuff like that, right? So I thought of, okay, so what if this guy, this billionaire who has tons of people underneath him, went into like one of the Tesla factories or something? And <clears throat> he went in there and he's like, he just got off his private jet, you know, flew in, took his... I'll escalate to the factory or whatever. He gets out, he's checking on his factory. He goes in there, he's like, I need to use the restroom. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't use the restroom. Somebody just, like, exploded it. Like, it is a mess in there. It is it is bad. Like, the worst that you can think of, it's a lot worse than that. So you cannot go in there and go to the restroom. In fact, we're going to have a cleaning service come in because none of us are willing to do it. And really, that none of us had that in our job description. It's so bad. Uh, so we're going to call cleaning service to come in. And Elon's just like, you know what, I'll just go clean it. And he goes in and he cleans the bathroom. That was not his role. It's not his job. In fact, that wasn't the job of the CEO under him, the factory manager under him, the factory workers under him, or anybody way below him. It wasn't even their job. Okay. And I know it's not perfect. We can't get a good grasp on how impactful the washing of the feet would have been. That's kind of like something I think of because Jesus, not only was it not his job on earth, like he was a rabbi, he was a teacher, so it wasn't his job. It wasn't the job of the disciples below him. Okay, it wouldn't have even been the job of maybe some of the household people that were there, that were below the, even the disciples. Okay, like it was so far below him on an earthly standpoint. And then you zoom out and you realize that he's God. 
You know what I mean? And like he made everything. Like then you're like, okay, that was so far below him. Like it's it's we can't even fathom how far below Jesus it was to wash people's feet. And that's why I think we can look at this and we can say Jesus's service was not dependent on what he was doing. Okay, yet sometimes our service does depend on what we're doing, right? I hear a lot of excuses, uh, even twisting of truth. Okay, even twisting of truth to get out of serving. And these are some of the slangs I hear, okay, or that I use myself. It's not my gifting. The Holy Spirit hasn't gifted me in that area of service, so I'm not going to do it. How many of you guys have ever heard somebody say that? Nope. Okay, I have. Okay, and you will, and you'll probably be tempted to use it yourself. Okay, when you, you when you, something is presented, and you're like, like they're like Hunter, we need you to work in the nursery. You're like, I'm not really gifted in that area. You know what I mean? And it's really easy to do. Okay, and I get it. We're gifted in certain areas, and we should try to find those areas and serve in them. But when there's a need to serve somebody, like we, we shouldn't be making excuses. You know, I heard a, I heard a lot of people say. I don't evangelize because that's not the gift that the Holy Spirit's given me. I'm, I'm not gifted in evangelism. Okay? And what is that? It, yeah, well, yeah. Evangelism is but it's an excuse. And it's an excuse because they don't want to do it. Alright? So, you know, I'm, I'm not a behind-the-scenes guy, or I'm not an upfront guy, or I'm not this, I'm not that. I can't do it. Like, find somebody else. But when there's a need, we should be willing to serve that need. Okay? Not my problem, not my job. Okay, that doesn't fall under my job description. I work in the nursery. I don't work with elderly people, so you got to find somebody else that works with elderly people because it's not my job. Or it's not my problem, really. It doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to do it. It's not where the Lord's called me. The Lord hasn't called me to do that kind of work. Like, so I'm just, you know, I don't think I should do it because the Lord hasn't called me to do that kind of work. Okay, all these things can be used as excuses to not serve. Okay, and there's little bits of truth in all these, but they can all be used as excuses. So, Jesus' service is not dependent. It wasn't dependent on who he was serving. It wasn't dependent on what he was serving or what he was doing in service. And Jesus' service on the last one is not dependent on when he served. And this one, okay, we got to look at. This is actually in verse 1 and in verse 21. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this before you move on to kind of like the application. Uh, but look at we'll look at verse one first, and then we're going to look at like nineteen through twenty-one. Okay, verse one says, "Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, and loving them to the end." And then skip on to verse well, nineteen. From now on, I'm telling you, uh, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am He. So he says, "I'm doing these things, so that you guys are going to see it later on." Truly, truly, I say to you that the one who receives anyone I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Okay? And then verse 21, look at it. It says, when Jesus said these things, he became what? Troubled in spirit. His spirit became troubled. Why? Because he knows Jesus is going to betray him. Yeah, which leads to... His death, his separation from the Father, physical anguish, spiritual anguish, it's coming, right? It's close, okay? I know that we have a lot of chapters in John before we get there, 
But it's like, so he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane tonight. He gets arrested tonight, and he gets crew. I mean, he this is like a 24-hour window, right? Like probably less than 24 hours, and he's going to be crucified and killed. So that's why he's troubled. Now, the humble servant doesn't serve based on when the service takes place. If there was a worse time for Jesus to serve, I can't think of it. Right? I mean, this would be a time when he would need to focus on himself, focus on his mission, focus on what he needs to get, what he has to do, what he has to go through. Like, this is a hard time for Jesus, earthly speaking, right? And, and everything speaking. Like, this is hard. He's troubled. He's, like, you guys remember in the garden when he prays? What does he pray? Take this cup from me, if you, but your will be done. Sweating drops of blood. That's a few hours from right now. He is in a spot that is hard. And yet in that hard spot, he is serving other people. Okay, So I think that's why we can say confidently that Jesus' service is not dependent on when. Okay, Because this is a terrible time for him to serve. Right? This would be a time, this would be a time when me, if I was in that position, I would want them serving me. Showing me love, reminding me that they're they're for me because I'm getting ready to do something really hard, right? Yet yeah, he serves them. Okay, our our service should not be dependent on when. Here's some excuses that we use. We're too busy. I'll do it next time. I have my own problem, my own thing that needs done right now. Okay, so we've seen in this um, passage, in this flow, in this account. We've seen that Jesus goes and he serves his disciples, even Judas. And he tells them, this is an example that I want you to follow. Okay, obviously, he's not saying uh, that we need to wash each other's feet. But if we were in that culture, I mean, yeah, we would be washing each other's feet, right? What is he saying? That we need to serve one another. And that service is not dependent on who, what, or when. Okay, Not who, what, or when. So I want you guys to think about some excuses. Okay, So everybody got a pen and paper. If you don't, I guess you can do it in your own mind. Okay, but I prefer you to write it down, think about it. Okay, I want you to go through, okay, this first one, the who. Okay? And I want you to just write down on your own. We're not going to share it or anything, but write down somebody that is hard for you to serve. Or think about it. Some of you, you've already got a picture of like 12 people in your head. Like him, 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 her, her, her. Yeah, they're all hard to serve, right? Uh, but there are people in our life that are hard to serve. So think about that person. And write it down. Okay, who is somebody that you don't like serving? That makes it hard for you to serve. That's not grateful when you serve. You know, something of that kind that you're like, I don't like serving this person. Okay. After you write that down, write down what? Okay, what is something that you don't like doing? What's something that you don't like doing in in service? In service, not just like I don't like watching TV, but like. You don't like serving in some way. So whether that's taking out the trash for your mom, washing your dad's car, um, cleaning up the poop of the dog that your sister's supposed to clean up, I don't know, whatever it is. Write down what one thing that like is hard for you to do. Okay, and then write down when, a, a time frame. So like a circumstance or a time frame. So like I really hate serving 
you know, early in the morning. I mean, it could be that, okay? Or it could be like, you know, I always like sitting down and watching a show with Haley at the end of my day, right? Kind of like relax, spend time with Haley. It's like, I don't like serving at that time. That's a hard time for me to serve, right? So just think of a time that's hard for you to serve. Okay, once you've done that, okay, we know that Jesus is calling us to serve that those people in that way at that time, right? Yeah, okay, so there's a, one other thing that I want to look at before we close, okay? Because we say all this, and then we need to realize that there is a service priority list. This is mine, not yours, obviously, because you guys are married. There's a service priority list, and this list can look different for different people. But the point is that there is a priority of service, and God should be at the top of it, right? Yes. yes. Or no? Yes? yes? Okay, yes. Okay, God should be at the top of the priority list. Was God, the Father, the top of the priority list in service for Jesus? Absolutely. Okay, and then there should be people from there. For me, my wife is next. My kids are after that. Family and friends, and when I mean friends, they're usually my close friends here. Okay, they're underneath that. You guys, the youth and family of youth is under that. The rest of, like, the body, the rest of the body, shoulder rubbers. So that's, like, people I kind of know but kind of don't know. You know what I mean? Like, those kind of people. Uh, community, and, and the list can go on. It can be longer and stuff like this. I just wanted you guys to see this because let's say, okay, we just said um, Jesus' servant was not dependent on who? Okay, but what if, like, let's say, what if Peter came to him and said, um, Jesus, in order to serve me, I, and well, he kind of almost did, but in order to serve me, I want you to not die on the cross. Could Jesus do that? Why? Because he was serving God. Jesus had a priority list, right? Father was number one. Okay? So, like, the who, I mean, will matter. You, who is God is first. Okay, and then what about the what? Uh, same thing. Like if you if somebody comes to you and they want you to serve them, but that service is like sinful, right? I'm not going to do it. And the win can be the same way. So like for me, if uh, if I'm serving, let's say I'm serving the Stillwater Bible Church five all the time. I'm like here all the time serving, like 24/7. So much so that I can't serve my kids. I can't spend any time with my kids. Okay, my priorities are out of whack, right? Because my kids should be a higher priority service than Stillwater Body. Not that Stillwater Body's not, but they should be lower on it than the kids. Does that make sense? So you guys need to come up with a priority list. Okay, who should I be serving and how should I be serving? Because there are a bunch of people out there that like serve this really well and don't serve these. Okay, or serve these too much and don't serve that. Or Forget all about this because they're serving this. I know a bunch of people that serve this so much and completely ignore the body. They serve their community. They're so worried about serving the community that they don't even serve in the church. Okay? And if we go throughout Scripture and we look at it, it says that it's important to serve the body, serve the believers. Okay? And so you've got to make sure that your service priority list is right. But once you have that list down, okay, Application-wise, I want you guys to write down or to think about who, how, and when do you need to serve this week? Okay, who, how, and when do you need to serve this week? Uh, so who are you going to serve, how are you going to serve them, and when do you need to serve them? Okay, The when shouldn't depend on your timing, it should depend on their timing. 
the how shouldn't depend on what you want to do. It should depend on what they need done, right? And the who should depend on who needs served, not who you want to serve. Okay, so don't serve selfishly. Serve sacrificially, just like Jesus did, right? Don't serve selfishly. Serve sacrificially, all right? Let's pray. Well, that's all for True to the Bible podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope to hear from you soon.